Hello, and welcome to Flashes of DEI, a podcast where we explore topics and ideas related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. My name is Morgan Wooden. I use he, him, his pronouns, and I am the special assistant here in DEI. And my name is Katie Matice. I use they, them, their pronouns, and I serve as a director in DEI. Now, since it's election season, we thought it would be super helpful to have an episode that's focused on voting. We know that voting isn't the only way to have your voice heard, but it is a super important avenue. Mm -hmm. To help us delve into it and get prepared, we have some guests from the Kent State Votes Coalition. Would you mind introducing yourselves to our listeners? Um, My name is Jessie Starkey. I use she, her pronouns. I am the Director of Governmental Affairs on Undergraduate Student Government. Hi, everyone. My name is Craig Berger. I use he, him, his pronouns, and I'm the Associate Director in Community Engaged Learning and have been an active member in the Kent State Votes Coalition here at Kent State. Nice. Thank you both so much for being here and for joining us and for the work that you've been doing through the coalition. Um, We have a bunch of questions lined up for you, so we're just going to get right into it. And uh, to get us started, we uh, want to help folks know where they can check and see if and where they're registered to vote. So if someone isn't sure about that kind of starting info, how would they find that out? I think to start out with, probably the best way is to visit a site that actually has the best and most valuable information for voters, I think, which is the Ohio Secretary of State's website. Um, And so to check and see if you registered to vote in Ohio, you can visit um, ohiosos.gov slash election slash voters, which I think may be able to be included in the show notes. Yeah. Um, and so you can choose to look up your voter registration option. There's also several other options that are presented there on that screen that you can choose depending on what information you're looking for. Cool. And to kind of follow that up, Craig, so is registering to vote, is that a one-time thing that folks just do it? I guess if you're living in the state of Ohio your entire life, is that something that is just a one and done, or do you have to update that annually or biannually? Um, anytime that you move, which for college students, I think that's it's probably the most challenging part of being a college student and being a registered voter, you tend to move a lot when you're a college student, whether you're moving from a residence hall to another residence hall or moving off campus, uh, usually from year to year, you actually change your residence. And so what we recommend um, to all college students is that they are checking their voter registration information as often as they can, certainly with each election and every opportunity they have to vote, um, just to stay on top of making sure that the board of elections, wherever they're registered to vote, has the updated information. Solid information there. And as Craig mentioned, we are going to list all the resources that are talked about uh, in the show notes. So um, don't worry about jotting down all the the URLs uh, as we go through. All right. So say we know that we are registered to vote and we're confirmed with our current address and all that good stuff. There are a lot of candidates and a lot of issues that show up on ballots. And it sometimes changes from county to county, right? What shows up. So what strategies or tools can people use to research and be prepared to make decisions on election day? Uh, So they're not scrambling with their ballot, trying to Google, you know, uh, what does this mean uh, in the actual uh, space? 
I know personally, it's really difficult as a student to find time Mm -hmm. um, to like really search, but just like going to the candidates specific websites and seeing like what their values are, what they're um, most interested in, because a lot of the times third party websites can get a bit tricky. If you're using a third party, try to find one that's like nonpartisan. So you are getting the most accurate information possible. Yeah, straight to the source. I think um, one of those third-party websites that I do trust is vote411.org. So they have a really great system where if you enter your address, you can not only receive information about relevant deadlines, so registration deadlines or deadlines for absentee ballots, uh, let's say, but you can also use their voter guide tool that displays the races and issues that will appear on your specific ballot. Um, So they even have nonpartisan summaries and facts about each candidate or issue so that you can educate yourself on those. And then they even, I believe, have a tool where you can select the candidates or issues or ways to vote on an issue that you prefer so that you have a list that you can take with you into the voting booth and actually can uh, select the choices on your actual ballot that matches what you actually want to vote for. That's super helpful, that last part, because sometimes the way things are worded, you know, legalese is confusing. Uh, So having that resources, that's cool. I didn't know about that. And Craig, you just mentioned too, you said briefly about absentee ballots, which I think is a perfect segue into just talking a little bit more about what are the various ways that people can vote? I think especially as a college student that you might be going to college here in Ohio, but reside in a different state, or even if you're a just a community member or faculty staff at Kent State. So what are the different ways that folks can vote and what do they need to know about each of those methods? Um, so I think for, for us, we typically divide it into three different ways that you can vote. You can vote on election day. So if you live in Ohio and are registered to vote, uh, you can actually use the Find My Polling Place tool on the Ohio Secretary of State's website that we discussed before, just as a reminder to, to learn where you need to go on election day to cast your ballot. And that also, by the way, makes sense for anyone who is outside of Ohio. So maybe you're registered in another state. Typically, there are offices in other states that also oversee the voting process in that state, and they'll be able to uh, have you put your address in and also help you identify where you're registered to vote. Um, So you may plan to go home, and that is fine. If you're living in another state or a community outside of Ohio, you can go home. But for election day voting, we typically see that it's students living in Ohio or uh, living in Kent and planning to vote in those areas. And that's probably the best way to go about voting that way. Another option is to vote absentee. Um, So this means that you'll complete two different steps. And this is confusing a lot of times for um, not just college students, but a lot of people, Mm -hmm. um, you actually have to request an absentee ballot um, to be sent to you through the mail. And then you complete that request form and then you are actually sent an absentee ballot that you need to complete in order to vote. And then you send that in. So there's that two-step process that a lot of times people will think that you just completing the absentee ballot request form is the 
active voting or is the one step they need to take and it's actually two. Um, so that deadline is noon on Saturday, November 5th, when you need to complete that request form uh, and send that in so that they can send you an absentee ballot to complete and then send in by, I believe, 7.30 p.m. on election night. And for the absentee ballot request form, is that, because I remember getting something in the mail saying you can request your ballot, is that just a mail thing or can you request a form online? My request form got sent home, so I requested one to be sent here for my absentee ballot, so you can request it online to get the form. Nice. Sometimes you lose your mail, right? Or you don't look at it. Um, So that's good to know. And then our third option for voting, which I think for college students um, and for us at the coalition that we're really trying to push um, that I think is is really helpful for college students is voting early, or it's also called in-person absentee voting. And so the way this works is that you go to the Board of Elections um, for whatever county you live in. And let's just say for our purposes today, you're actually registered to vote in Ohio. You would go to the county where you're registered to vote and you would go to their Board of Elections office and they actually have voting hours that are set aside that go through the day before election day. And so you can travel to that office. You can treat that as if it is a polling place. It's the one polling place that's open in the entire county. And then you can cast your ballot at that place and time. And what's really nice about that is that uh, you have that one consistent place and relatively consistent hours when you can show up vote and you're not waiting for, you know, something to happen on election day that throws off your plan. Mm. You have several hours that are set aside where you can show up and vote at your own convenience. And for college students, I think that is really helpful. Voting on election day can be difficult, especially if you live in an on-campus address or even just off campus here in Kent, because the way the precincts are uh, drawn up, you could be uh, voting in one of four or five different precincts. So that's really why we're trying to encourage early voting, in-person absentee voting is the way that the Board of Elections describes it, so that you can make sure that you get that vote in. Yeah, that's good advice. Uh, Because like you said, things can pop up and then, oh, I'll go later and then you end up not going. So let's talk about voting in person. There's two different ways you can vote in person, in person absentee, and then in person on election day. Are there things that people should know or have with them to have the best and smoothest experience um, for voting in person in either of those situations? Yeah, definitely having your driver's license or Ohio identification card if you don't have a driver's license. And then especially if you're voting using an on-campus address or off campus, but it doesn't match your driver's license, Mm. making sure that you have a proof of residency and you can get this in the residence halls. It's a zero electricity bill. If you go into housing, then there's a form that you fill out and you can print it out. Just take it with you as like a, you can vote here. You have the proof. Yeah. That's really smart too, because as we talked about college students move kind of regularly. And so I know I didn't update my driver's license um, every year. So that's good having that bill. There's also the opportunity to 
um, bring a bank statement, I believe, as well. I think a paycheck from Kent State may also suffice, but typically um, that utility bill, I think, really comes in handy. Yeah, the strongest, the most accepted piece of address evidence. Yeah. Do you think that either or both of you could talk a little bit about I think that when I was a college student, one of the things that was really confusing was because you kind of technically live at two different places, you have your permanent address back wherever home is to you, but then you have like your temporary address that is your college address. And I think that's just kind of confusing as a college student of where am I, do I vote where home is or do I vote where my Kent State home is? And what elections is that going to be relevant to? Because I think that when it boils down to the local elections is also very important. How do you navigate having kind of the two addresses? Personally, I think it's just a bit of a personal preference. Um, It's kind of just up to you. I know some people feel like their vote is more important in Kent and some people feel like it's more important at home. So whichever you feel more focused on in that election, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I'm glad you asked the question because I think that is one of the myths um, that a lot of people don't realize is a myth that's put out there that, you know, if you are registered at home, maybe in the western portion of Ohio, let's say, and you're living in Kent as a college student, I think there are a lot, actually a lot of people out there who will hold the opinion that you should not vote in Kent and that students are not allowed to vote um, where they're going to college. And actually, the Supreme Court several decades ago has weighed in on that and said that college students do have the right to re-register and vote in the town where they're currently residing um, if they're going to college there. And so just knowing that you have that opportunity, I think is really important to choose which place you want to vote. You can keep your residency officially with um, parents, guardians, family members, whoever you're living with in your hometown. Or um, if you do want to register in Kent, you can do that. I think one of the other ways that you can make that decision is using a tool that we talked about before, that uh, vote411.org tool. You can actually put in two different addresses, look at the ballot and see what races you'd actually be voting on in either location. And you can decide that way where you think your vote would be most helpful or most powerful. Um, So I do recommend that you play around with that tool uh, because that can help you get the information you need to make that decision. So you brought up, you know, that Supreme Court said college students do have the right to vote in the town, the city, wherever they're currently going to school. Could you all talk about some of the other rights voters have that people should be aware of or may not know that they have? The first one that I can think of is if you encounter any difficulties voting Uh, let's say the poll workers state that you don't have the proper qualifications to cast a ballot, you can always submit a provisional ballot so that your vote can be counted after an investigation into the situation. Mm. Those provisional ballots are there for that purpose so that you're not turned away and lose your ability to vote. Um, You can cast that provisional ballot and that way 
Um, let's say that you do believe that you are properly registered to vote in that location where you are, you can actually cast that ballot and not lose your ability to vote. And then really the other thing to keep in mind as well is that when the polls close, I believe it's 7.30 um, in Ohio, if you're still in line at 7.30, you are still allowed to vote. Mm. And I think a misconception in the past has been that, you know, if you're still in line, you haven't gotten to vote at 7.30 p.m. when the polls close, um, that you had to leave. And that's not the case. The polls do stay open until all the people in that line by 7.30 are able to cast their ballot. Jesse, any ones you would add? Just remembering that, like, your voice matters just as much as anyone else's. I think that, like, oftentimes students just get caught up in everything else and they think that theirs is, like, less important. But voting is your right and you should exercise it. I think that point by Jesse is a really good one, really important, because I think people may have the thought, well, I'm only going to be here for four years. And so why would I vote in the college town or, or the city where my college is. And a lot of times people aren't thinking about the decisions that are made by elected officials can not only impact the quality of life or the kind of life that they can lead in those four years while they're a student um, at Kent State or wherever they are, but also those decisions can also impact the value of the degree that they hold from that institution. Mm. And so there are decisions that students can make um, as voters in that community that are really important. And they have perspectives that matter too, that maybe aren't represented in the opinions of people living in Kent or any other college town. Yeah. So something that we had mentioned briefly at the beginning of the podcast that is super important to highlight to our listeners is that you're both involved with the KSU Votes Coalition. So if people are interested, how would they get involved? And can you just tell us a little bit about the coalition in general? I can definitely share some of the background and how the coalition was formed. One of the things when I first started at Kent State in 2018 that I came across was that there were several different conversations mm-hmm. happening on campus around voting. And so uh, one of the things that I wanted to do was bring those conversations all into the same room, because I think if a university community is going to support voting or the discussions about voter engagement with students the best that it can, it really needs to be a concerted effort Um, across the entire institution and also incorporating some of the community organizations who are involved in the coalition as well. And so in the summer of 2018, in preparation for that year's midterm elections, we did have that conversation. I will say it was very staff heavy. And so Mm -hmm. we recognized that there weren't many students involved. And uh, after that November 2018 election, one of the steps that we took was to reach out to Uh, undergraduate student government and present the opportunity for them to oversee the Kent State Votes Coalition, um, to serve as a convener and actually fold the the coalition into the Department of Governmental Affairs in USG. And so at the time, I believe uh, Tierra Moore was the first director who worked with 
the uh, Kent State Votes Coalition. Um, and then it's moved forward from there. And I think we've been able to have really students lead that effort uh, with the advice, uh, continued advice of the Kent State Votes Coalition. So that's sort of how it came about. That's cool. I feel like there are many ways to get involved. First, I do have a governmental affairs committee, um, which is open for all students to join. And we do a lot of voter registration and we actually have a Flashes Votes Festival. Nice. And we do like advocacy trips and there's just like a lot. I also know that the League of Women Voters, which is a uh, nonpartisan organization that really champions being involved in the political process and making sure that information is out there for anyone who needs that information. They're constantly looking for members of their organization. And in Kent, we have a particularly active chapter that is a member of our coalition and I think a a great partner because they're always possessing the information. And so if anyone's passionate about um, the process, even beyond just your participation in it, but wanting others to know how to be involved. I think that's a great organization as well. Yeah. So that's a great segue into our kind of last and final question for you is, you know, are there other resources, other organizations or other things, bits of advice that you'd like to share before we close it out? One of the Kent State focused outlets for information is a page that's updated by university libraries that can be access that kent.edu slash vote. And so this is valuable because the um, information there is a very Kent State specific. So talking about, you know, living on campus uh, and how you register to vote. I know the voter registration deadline has already passed for this cycle, but for future elections, it does allow you to review what you need to do if you're registering in Ohio um, or out of state, but specifically if you're living in a residence hall, what you need to do to register, what you need to put on the form, which can be a little tricky sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think generally I'm of the belief that voting is the least that we can do to affect change Mm -hmm. in our communities if we're fortunate enough to have the status of being a United States citizen. Uh, I guess I'd suggest thinking about what other ways you're in a position to have impact, whether that's participating in community service, running for office yourself, um, serving as a poll worker to support the polling places and precincts um, where people vote, or just organizing in your community around an issue that you're, you're passionate about, leveraging those relationships that you have and figuring out how you can bring more people to the table who are also passionate about those issues. I think those are all great ways to make a difference where you don't just have to wait for days designated as election days to cast a vote. Yeah, the once every couple of years, right? What can you do in between or even every day uh, to make that impact? Jesse, anything you'd like to add? I really like that voting is the least you can do. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, just like making sure that you're educated and that the people around you are educated is just a really big part. I think education is where you start. So yeah. Well, cool. Thank you both so much for joining us here on the podcast and for sharing all your knowledge and experiences and expertise. Uh, Super helpful. I learned some things and I learned some new resources that I'm definitely going to use. 
And thank you to everyone for tuning in and listening uh, to this podcast. If you're interested in learning more about us here in DEI, feel free to check out our website, kent.edu slash diversity. And if you have a topic that you'd like for us to discuss in the future, feel free to email us at diversity at kent.edu or connect with us on social media. We are at DEI Kent State across all platforms, and we will see you next month with a brand new episode. Bye, everybody. See ya.